Hey, I gotta tell you guys about something, and I'm really excited to talk about this because I got a brand new front door lock. And it's not just any lock, it's a Eufy video lock. You might be thinking, what's the big deal, Chael? Well, okay, I'm gonna tell you. First off, it is sleek. I mean, it's a very big deal. My father used to build houses. My whole life, I've known how important curb appeal is. I used to be in real estate. When I show somebody a house, the front door is the very first thing you see. This thing is a piece of art. It truly is, and it's such a good looking piece of hardware. It instantly upgraded my front door. I was excited about the functionality. So not only do I get an instant makeover with a piece of art, you now have a different level of protection. It's a smart lock. It's got a 2K camera with audio and doorbell all in one. Most competitors are either just a camera or a smart lock. The Eufy Video Lock has both plus a doorbell and it can all be controlled via an app, which makes things so convenient. I hate when I hear the doorbell ring and I'm comfortable inside. I gotta get up, go to the door, just to find out it's a delivery man who dropped the package and is already long gone. The Eufy Video Lock now allows me to avoid all of that. I can just peek at the app. I can even talk to him or hear him talk back to me. Also, my wife and I travel a lot. It's an added level of security at my front door and it makes me feel a little bit more at ease. It was very easy to install. No, there are no monthly fees for the security video storage. The battery is rechargeable and each charge lasts about four months. The Eufy Lock is fantastic and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. Do that by going to Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you gain complete control of your door. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. So Chandler and Gaethje just happened and wasn't totally the outcome that I would have predicted for you. Now, before you say, hey, Chael, you got your dates wrong, I'm talking about in this regard, Kiesa versus Magni stylistically is Chandler versus Hooker. And a big problem that I've had, just in terms of a question mark, right? I mean, this is between those boys. This is between those two. But for what I'm sitting and listening to the pro Chandler crowd that is saying Chandler is going to take him down and keep him there, I'm scratching my head and going, guys, we haven't seen the takedown keep you down since 2008. And three guys just scramble too well they get up endurance has changed the effort it takes to execute a proper takedown is such an exertion that we're not seeing guys able to do that not to mention the defenses have caught up with the offenses i mean there's a reason there's a very good and logical reason that you can take away the whole i'm the powerful wrestler i'm going to take you down at will and you got to trace it all the way back to the very early turn of the century quite literally but we saw it today so perhaps we need to have our eyes a little bit more open i did not think that kiesa could take magni down that many times because now you're talking about taking him down at will. Not only did he take him down that many times, guys, I don't know that Kiesa tried to take Magni down and fail. And I just watched the fight. I don't remember him failing. He was able to close that distance. He was able to hide it with some strikes. He was hitting that TJ Dillashaw step around trip to that double. One of my favorite takedowns. I learned that from TJ Dillashaw, but you're seeing so many guys started to execute it. I personalized myself was working on that because of TJ. In the gym, I was having great success. My career ended. I didn't get to go out and hit it, but um, a really great takedown. I saw Kiesa doing this and I bring that to you because if you look at the offset in wrestling on paper, the offset in wrestling between Kiesa and Magni, it is very equal to the offset in wrestling between Hooker and Chandler as is the reach disadvantage and deficit that Kiesa had to deal with. It's very similar to the reach deficit that Chandler is going to deal with. I mean, in many ways, we just saw Hooker and Chandler fight. So I think that there's some things that likely Chandler is going to be in inspired and juvenated by, but I also think there's some things that Hooker is going to be able to learn without even getting in there with Chandler yet. There's some things that Hooker is going to see and say, I don't want this to happen to me. Here's what Neil could have done different. I could be wrong. And those guys are so knee deep in a quarantine and fight island and thinking about their weight cut and finishing up their media and stressed out of their mind about this competition, but they are able to digest and they did able to take that in. I can assure you that Chandler and Hooker agree with me that stylistically our fight just happened. And I bring that to you because all 
also to shine up Kiesa's wheels. I mean, Kiesa is on a new streak with a new birth, a new fresh coat of paint over him. And he is looking so good, optimizing and capitalizing on that. Neil Magny is a tough night out. Neil Magny is a nasty, grimy 25 minutes. Neil Magny was the favorite going into this fight. I agree with that. I'm friends with Kiesa. I've never met Neil. I agree with that. If you were to bet on this and you were to use logic and you weren't going out to take a risk and you wanted to part with your money and put it on Magny, that was the smart thing to do. But Kiesa was able to break out a couple of new tricks. I talked about that Dillashaw trip by uh, trip by example a moment ago, but I haven't seen Kiesa do that before. That was a new weapon and he hit it. He threw that right. He hit it. He steps that foot behind. Now he's attacking this side of the body to redirect to attack this side. It's a very effective trip, right? I mean, if you guys, if you guys are wrestling fans and you want to know how to convert wrestling to MMA, that is a quintessential technique that you're going to see more and more of. That is, I'm starting to see more and more of it in the practice room. I'm seeing coaches work. I didn't know what it was. I had to call TJ Dillashaw, go walk me through this. I think I figured you out. Walk me through this. One of those things. And I was very impressed that Kiesa was able to do it. I was even surprised that Magny wasn't able to get off the bottom and it wasn't from a lack of effort. Magny was working his ass off. Kiesa did a very good job. They had some scrambles that were flat fun to watch. One guy's going this way and back to this way and circle around the head and come in and Kiesa was doing a great job with his knee. I'm talking about some of the technical parts of it, but if you guys want to go back and rewatch, Kiesa did such a good job with his knee. If you want to be in side control, to maintain side control, it's your knees. Your knee to his hip, and it can be either knee. But as he starts to get a little squirrely on you, sink one of those knees right to his hip, you'll hold him right in place. Kiesa just understood these things. He understood them and he did them, not to mention he did it in a main event on Fight Island on ESPN at an awkward time of day, on an awkward day of week, and he did it for 25 minutes against a freaking stud. A stud! I'm so happy to see good things happening for Neil Magny. And by the way, they're not going to stop. Neil's not going to come back and all of a sudden be undercard. He might have to be a co-main event to work himself back to main event, but this was a big win, and not to mention it was a treat for us fans. But I do want you to use it to foreshadow the future, which is right around the corner. I maintain my stance that at least stylistic, you just had Chandler take on Hook. So what's going to be different? What can these athletes learn? And by the way, can Chandler hide and disguise his takedown threats and attempts as well as Kiesa? I mean, Chandler for a long period of time has fallen in love with these and done just fine with them. So how wrestling heavy is the game plan and the mindset of Chandler? Look, we don't know these things. I'm proposing some questions, but I do think based on what we just saw, our expectation and our elevation of excitement just went up. Guys, I told a story. I did a, a year in review recap for UFC Fight Pass. I told a story and so many of you went and watched it and I appreciate that, but I've been asked to tell the story again and a little bit of behind the scenes. Right? I hate to tell you guys behind the scenes stories. You want to know why? I feel as though when I say I'm behind the scenes, I feel like there's an arrogance within that state. Like, like we're now separating us. Well, you're on this side of the curtain and I'm on this side of the curtain. I don't, I don't know. I don't like to talk to you that way, but there are some things that I see behind the scenes that are just fascinating and I want to tell you one of the stories. It has to do with Conor McGregor. And I, I wanted to know known it. It wasn't brought to you by camera. So go back one year. One year exactly. When Conor fights uh, Cowboy. January 20th, 2020, Las Vegas, Nevada. If you were watching the show that night, and I don't expect you to remember this. So I'm going to attempt to refresh your memory. And if you watched the show that night, the live pay-per-view, five fights on the main card, traditional five card, they had them. Two fights that happened. Prior to the third fight, there was this huge break. Now in the world of TV, we will call that Phil. Like if I'm announcing a show and I have an ear piece and my director tells me Phil it means we have a problem he's not going to share with me what that is that means Shale keep talking and keep engaging the audience we need to fill time we have a problem that could be a mic's down a camera's down a fighter's down a satellite's I mean but something has happened and we need to fill time I bring that word to you because there was a major fill after the second fight and prior to the third and nobody knew why I'll tell you why Conor McGregor wasn't in the building Conor McGregor drives himself to these events when he comes to Las Vegas he does not go check into the fighter hotel like everybody else. He rents his own house. He brings a big team over, brings his family over, gets a big house. But then he's driving himself as well. Most athletes will report in the lobby of the hotel at said time, jump into a bus all together with your bags and your coaches and your teams and head to the arena. Come in the back gate, go in, take care of business. Connor drives himself, relevant to the story because he never got picked up. They weren't in possession of Connor. So Connor, per rules of the commission, now by rules, I don't mean that he could be fined for this. It's more of a 
request and everybody just meets the request. I don't know that I've ever heard of a guy not, but Connor was to report just prior to the main card going on. So his report time would be 7 p.m. Pacific for him to make his walk somewhere around that 9.15, 9.20 to go out there, close out the show. You're off the air by 10 o'clock. Connor doesn't show up. And this is relevant for multiple reasons. First off, there's something known as a pay-per-view window, which means the window of time reserved for all your satellites, all your technology, but it's reserved. If you go if you go past the window, some promoter or executive producer has made a tremendous error, but you, the audience, your window will end. The feed will end. You won't see how that ends. Now, that's probably never happened to you, but it has happened throughout time on certain events that went long. So I bring that to you because they got to kick this thing off at some point and they got to do it within their window. So you're buying time, not to mention you don't have McGregor, not to mention there's things that have to happen through the commission, a drug test, by example, the wrapping of the hands. But this is a commission. Do you guys know that? You don't just wrap your hands because your trainer doesn't sit down and wrap. The commission does that. They will bring the gauze. They will bring the tape and they will put somebody's eyeballs on you. They will then sign it off and you will never leave their site. You go to the bathroom. They will go with you. When I say you, they won't leave your site. It's a very big deal, the wrapping of the hands. But they're just things that have to be done. So Connor pulls in 40 minutes before his fight. So they start the third fight. They start the fourth fight. Connor's able to walk on time, but within that 40 minutes, he takes off his suit. He looks fantastic. Right? I mean, that, that, it, it takes a little bit to get those cuff links off and this suit off. He somewhere does his drug test. He somehow wraps his hands, puts the cup on, finds the mouthpiece. I would guess that he warmed up. He did all of that within his music hitting those speakers, walked out, stopped his opponent, and was done and out of the arena in less than an hour. And I'm really bringing you that story because it's awesome. It's interesting. It's cool. You didn't know it. You did not know it unless you heard me tell it on Fight Pass. But I think it adds to the legend that is Conor McGregor. I mean, the fact that he could have such ice running through his veins that there was a sold-out arena waiting for him, chanting his name and waving his flag. He's somewhere on the freeway. He's not even there. He's stuck in traffic. I don't know where he was. I just know he wasn't there. It's a very interesting story, but it also speaks to the mindset. Conor McGregor is as calm and cool as can be. He will perform under pressure, and many people have asked, how will he do without the crowd? The crowd energizes Connor. I don't disagree with that, but it is not wholly true. The great athletes learn to compete and perform in spite of the crowd. The great athletes can do this in the practice room, whatever they're given sport, for hours on end a day, but for very limited time when people are watching. The people are watching, and, and now it's a competition, and now we're keeping score, and now it's for real. There's a stress, and that stress creates a fatigue, and the fatigue allows you to do your sport for 15 to 25 minutes in this atmosphere, whereas you could have done it 90 minutes, non-stop, without even a water break on any given day in the practice room. So the greats don't learn to, to, to work with the crowd. The greats learn to perform in spite of the crowd. So while I wouldn't wholly argue with you that Connor needs the crowd, I suggest for you that he's learned to deal with the crowd. Not having them there, I project for you, does not make a bit of difference, at least for McGregor. Dana come out. He was uh, he was talking about the rematch between Khabib and Connor is very important fight, not just for the industry, but for the legacy of these two athletes. So I never thought of it in that perspective. It would certainly be true to an extent for Connor, and that's short term, right? Over the long term, you don't necessarily have to have that guy, but you'd have to go on one hell of a run. I mean, Connor's gonna have to stick around for five years to forget Khabib's name and start passing him up and be undefeated. I mean, it's a hard thing to do. I think that McGregor certainly got his own legacy. Khabib might have beat. Connor, but Khabib did not win as many titles as Connor. Connor's won so damn many titles, he's forgot. You know, Connor trademarked the term champ champ. If you ever say champ champ, and people use it all the time, that's actually, he could he could actually come after you in some regard. I don't know what happens when you say words that somebody else has trademarked, but I bring it to you. It's, it's hilarious that Connor McGregor would trademark champ champ when he's not. Connor's a champ champ champ. He won the interim title, the 45 pound title, and the 55 pound title. Won so many world championships, he forgot one of them. So I bring that to you because yes, Khabib has a lot of bragging rights, and Khabib has some very rare things that are not going to be redone. Uh, Connor does too. It is too. So... To Dana's point, I'm just thinking about Dana's point. I can see it though. I can definitely see it. I don't know that the tie-in is as strong for Khabib. Khabib already beat him. Khabib already fought. If they had missed each other, if this was Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, right? If it was Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, and they did not ever see each other, it'd be a little bit weird, man. You're going to have that debate and that argument. I don't know that I see it for Khabib. And Khabib came out and he offered this. He just said, guys, I am done. I am not going to compete again. I'm going to coach. And Khabib was coaching as early as today. He was coaching his cousin, who became 13 and 0. 
which just makes you wonder, does Khabib have another chapter here? Does he have another chapter for legacy? And is it going to be in the form of coaching? It would appear yes. I think there's some other athletes. I I've argued that about Dominic Cruz. I think that Dominic Cruz's secret superpower is in coaching. And he's a guy that's going to go in the Hall of Fame and has won a world championship. I'm telling you, I feel that his secret power is actually in coaching. And that if he chooses to commit to that, I think he's really going to make his stand in that regard. So there are some athletes, right? The great athletes don't usually make great coaches, but sometimes they do. And it looks like if this is something that Khabib cares about and he's passionate about, particularly being a second generation coach, people always think of Khabib as a second generation fighter because of his father. Khabib is a second generation coach because of his father. It would seem as though Khabib's legacy would probably be intact. And, you know, I get a real kick out of it when people ask Dana and they usually ask him in a negative stance. They ask him as though they're concerned, but that their evil side is actually cheering against Dana. But they love to ask him, what are you going to do? Ronda Rousey, just re your biggest star just retired. What are you going to do? And Dana's like, I'm going to keep holding you. I'm going to do the same thing that I, I've always done. But it's always one of these, but Conor McGregor's left. What are you going to do? And it's just one of these things where they're asking evilly. They want Dana to go, I don't know, man. I guess I'm going to have to mortgage the house and I'm, pr I'm probably going to have to find something else to do. Like, that's what they would really love. I think the UFC's out of business. You know, we had a good run, but I don't think we can do it. That's what they want Dana to say. And Dana doesn't give them the time. Of what am I going to do? I'm going to do the same thing tomorrow that I did today. What do you think these, what do you think I was doing before I created these guys? What do you think I'm going to be doing after I create these guys? But he never sticks it up their ass that way. He gives back something. I wish that they would just tell, I've been cheering against you for years. Is this the end? I wish Dana would stick it right down their throat. So yeah, I know you have and look at where I'm at. I mean, I, I wish that he would, but he won't do it and they won't do it. They play this game of cat and mouse. I bring it to your attention because as much time as has gone by and as many stars have been created and then their light dimmed out, new ones always come. I mean, we, we don't need to really readdress this, but there is something interesting to the phenomenon. The guy has to retire for Dana to be asked the question, okay? Why wasn't Dana asked the question about John Jones? And I understand John's not a huge star, but he is a huge talent. If John would have used the word retire, we would have asked the question. John didn't use the retire. He just didn't fight. Things went just fine without John. I'm not looking to knock John. I use it as a name that you guys know and would respect, but he hasn't fought in a calendar year. Did it matter? No, not in the least. If Khabib did not use the word retire, if he never said I'm retiring, we're not having this conversation, even though he wouldn't be fighting. Conor McGregor took 500 days off, fought for 40 seconds, and took another 365 and 367 days off before he finally gets in there again. So essentially in the last 900 days, Conor McGregor's fought one time, but he didn't use the word retire. Conor was to come out and say, I'm retired, then Dana would have to field these same questions, or what are you going to do now? When the reality is the guy didn't retire, but I haven't used him in 900 days. Used him for 40 seconds in 900 days. What's the difference if a guy's retired or a guy's just not doing it for 900 days? Well, there is not. The bottom line, the red line that everybody's got to look at at the end of the year for financial, there is no difference. But the simple-minded media wanted to ask the question unless it's provoked with the word retire. What's the difference? John's not retired, so we don't have anything to worry about. Okay, great. John hasn't done it in a year. Connor's done it one time in 900 days. What's the difference if they use the word retire? Khabib at no point would have been booked and have fought again, not to mention he's about to roll into uh, to Ramadan, which means he's out until the fall. What's the difference if he's retired? What's the difference? If he's not going to fight again, I mean, I have to tell you, and this is a Khabib fan, right? I would never talk bad about Khabib, but I will talk honest about Khabib. I can remember the day that he sat outside of T-Mobile Arena and waited at Dana's car and Dana never came. Khabib wanted a face-to-face -face with Dana. Dana didn't even come. To the point that Khabib took that hat off and put it on the hood of the car and took a, peaker, a picture for social media. Let Dana know that was me. That's my calling card. I'd like to hear from you. That wasn't that long ago. Now, there was no disrespect shown to Khabib. Dana was inside working. He didn't know Khabib was waiting for him. I just bring it to you that that wasn't long ago when Khabib was begging for opportunity and begging for attention. And now all of a sudden, Khabib's a big star. Get it? Address it? Acknowledge it. But you need to get addressed and acknowledge back to me that in the short period of time between Khabib putting his calling card on Dana's hood, begging for a meeting, became a pretty big star and he didn't do it on his own. The genius will make another star. The genius has not started that process because he has one. So he's going to talk to that one. But if he finds out to an answer that he accepts that this one's not coming back, he will make another one. Khabib was not going to return until the fall. So the race is simply won. Can Dana replace the star power of Khabib by September? I'll hedge my bet right now. The answer is yes. 
Here's a question for you. It's a question that's going around. I was asked this question. I'm gonna ask it back to you guys, but uh, who's the better boxer, Connor or Max? Those are your options. Hard one, isn't it? Hard one. Because how do you want to break that down? Do you want to just go, I don't like Connor, I'm jealous, he's got a whole bunch of money, so I'm going with Max just to piss Connor. No, come on, really answer the question. Who's the better boxer? Think of it in this terms. Your son is going to go be a boxer. Genie pops out of the bottle, old scenario, but you, you can only, you have the power to give either the skills to Max before your son goes and gets in the ring to box, or you have the power to give the skills of Connor to your child before he gets in the ring to go to box. That's how you'll know you're answering this question, honestly, okay? So who do you take? You're gonna have precision, you're gonna have power, and you're gonna have speed going to Connor. But you're gonna have precision, you're gonna have timing, and you're gonna have output going towards Max. I mean, don't forget that. Connor gets so much credit for, boom, being a sniper. Max doesn't miss either. And Max will dig to the body and come upstairs and he'll hit you with something called punches and bunches to, co uh, to quote the great Clayton Hires. Punches and bunches. If you can touch it once, touch it twice. And if you can touch it twice, there's no reason you're not hitting it three times. If you can hit it three times, hit it four. I mean, punches and bunches. So which would you rather have? That one pad, uh, punch, laser precision, knockout power of Connor, or the ability to go all damn night like Max? And I don't know that I have the answer. We've only seen Max made to look bad in boxing once and it was by Poirier. But we're not having the conversation of who's the best boxer, Max, Connor, or Poirier. We're identifying that it's Connor or Max, even though Dustin outboxed Max. But I agree with that. Dustin had a great strategy to throw off Max's rhythm and to never let him get started. I don't know that many other people could go out and duplicate that. I also think Max learned how to correct that. I think, I think. Connor was very bothered that Max said he was the better boxer. That bothered Connor McGregor. And I don't know how we could ever crown anybody in this sport the best boxer within the sport unless we see that person box. And Connor's the only guy we saw box, who, by the way, did it for a half an hour with Floyd Mayweather. I mean, in fact, I, I say Connor. I say Connor's the better boxer. That's what I say if you want my answer. But I think that you could have a real dialogue there. I think that Max certainly has a claim to it. So then all of a sudden, these two, when they're talking about this, they're talking about, well, let's just do the rematch. And Connor said, great, we'll do it. And then Connor got a little bit specific and said, we'll do it at 55. I'm not coming down any lower. You got to come up to 55, but let's go ahead and do this. And I don't predict for you that we're going to see that fight in the immediate future. That fight seems to work for me. But any fight with Max works. Any fight with Connor works, right? And I get people that come out all the time and think they're the smartest guy in the room. I would put a card to, I would be the best pro. I would put Masvidal against this guy and Connor against this guy. And yeah, anybody can sell a Ferrari. Get back to me when you can move the Jetta off the lot, okay? So I, I offer for you, it is very interesting because I do think that Max is going to go up, but I think that there's a couple of guys that should go up, can go up, and even need to go up. Max is not in the need. Max is not in the need spot, but he will be eventually. Max is a big guy and he's a young guy and he's a tall guy. And he's going to do what we call fill in at some point and just have to go to 155. Not to mention, he's going to enjoy his life and his career more. I think that Max got a bad taste in his mouth going to 55. You remember the time he went to 55 to take on Khabib and the commission came in the back and said, no more cutting weight. So that wouldn't be a bad taste in his mouth. And the second one is when he actually did it and got bested by Dustin. That'd be a bad taste in his mouth. But Max also didn't give himself a fair shot. The night with Khabib was on a number of hours. I mean, you talk, talk, talk about weeks or days. He was on hours notice. Did the best that he could. Going against Dustin, he wasn't fully committed to the idea. Wasn't fully committed to it because he was still the champion at 45 and had to go down and defend that. So he couldn't commit to the idea. I just bring that to you because it is a very compelling matchup. It was a great match the first time that they did it. And you can talk about Connor's knee all that you want. It was a damn good match. That's what I'm talking about. Was it a competitive match? Yeah, very competitive. It was a good match. And it also didn't quite go the way that you would think. Connor had a lot of time on top. When's the last time you've seen Connor take someone down and be on top? Connor had on top. It's a very weird match in that regard. It was competitive. But I do like the argument that they're having. And I also think that it spoke to the sincerity of Connor. Connor didn't say, yeah, I'll, I'll fight him again. He didn't do that. He started to lay out the terms for which he would fight him again which means he was serious about it. And you can bring all these guys to the table. Connor hasn't said no to any of them. Look at last year. Connor wanted to do three more matches. We didn't get it. There was a mistake of 2020. That was it by all of us. You fans should have demanded it more. Commentators should have talked about it more. Promoters should have made it happen. That was a miss. And if we're not going to make mistake that make that mistake again, it doesn't really matter if Khabib comes back or not. If one of those three fights is against Khabib, okay, fine. If it's not against Khabib, okay, fine. There still needs to be opponents in a relatively short period of time. And 
and we need to keep Connor busy. I'm only bringing that to you because it seems as though Connor is very open to any idea. He was talking about Ally Aquina the other day, and again, that wasn't off the cuff. He had very specific reasons he wanted to fight out. Much like when he's talking about Holloway, he's got very specific requirements. Well, one, he's got one. You got to do it at 155. That's fair. I think you're gonna. Be, I think you're gonna be busy this year, and I think we're gonna see a lot of Connor. And I'm not totally in love with the idea. I'm not totally sold on the idea that Max is gonna sit on ice and wait around for Volkanovski, the winner of Volkanovski Ortega. I, I'm not totally sold on that. I'm not pushing back. I'm just ready to keep the dialogue going. I'm open to new ideas, and I'm suggesting for you we're going to hear those. Then it will largely be up to you, the audience, to decide which idea do you like best. Man, this match, Kyle Schneider versus Jaden Cox, I mean, it's doing nothing but getting closer, but we're also getting ramped up. We hadn't seen Jason, uh, Jaden in a period of time. All of a sudden, we see him twice in one week against absolute hammers, and Jaden went out there and hammered them. Then all of a sudden, you see Car- uh, you know, you know, see Schneider come back. Schneider goes over to Nice. Olympic champion won't even wrestle him, forfeits to him. Schneider runs through everybody. And that was really good news because there was a little bit of question on Kyle after the U.S. Open. How bad is that foot? He had an injury default in the semi finals to Gadsden. And so there's a question of how bad's that foot? We just never got an update. And we'll never know. I don't know how bad that foot was, but we we do know it's behind us. It is fully healed. Snyder's in great shape. I mean, he was doing some things in Nice that you can't do if you don't have both wheels under you. I remember a high crotch specifically where he came up to his feet, switched to a double, and ran it, popping his hips at the end and putting his opponent down. I mean, that, just the techniques like that, you gotta have some strength in your feet. He had them. Good news. But as we're seeing both Jaden and Snyder come back, I mean, this one's just getting harder and harder to call. And it does seem very unlikely that that best of three series goes anything less than three. It seems very unlikely. If you're of the mind that Snyder's going to beat Jaden, at some point, you're going to be forced to answer the question, at least to yourself, of how. To beat Jaden Cox, Snyder is going to need points. How do you get points on Cox? Through the entire world championships, he had the single best defense on the planet. Best defense of the tournament. And would not give up points, even if you back off, and I'm talking about Cox right now, even if you back off to the trials to his best of three with Bo Nickel. What was so shocking is that couldn't get any points on Cox. And to win a wrestling match, you got to have points. So you're going to be faced with that question, but the adverse side of the coin is still fair, which is, okay, if Cox is going to beat Snyder, how is he going to get his point? I mean, it's one of those really tough questions. Snyder's so strong for that weight. I mean, getting him out of position, you got to get him out of position before you can attack him. You got to attack him before you can score. It's one of these things. It's one of these things where this is the ultimate chess match. I mean, whatever happens between those boys, it is going to be iron on iron. It's going to be super close. I do think you're probably going to see three matches, but I only think that because I just can't imagine one of those guys losing twice in a row. That's not a wonderful strategy pick by me. That's just how I see it. And either way, we're talking about low scoring. You're talking about defensive wizardry on the line. One score will win you this match. Who's going to get it? I don't know. I don't know who's going to get it. I think both these guys look great right now. I thought Snyder looked great. I would love to see Aja Baston step on the mat with him, but the mere fact that he refused to step on the map, boom, win Kyle Schneider. But I'd like to have seen that match. I'd like to have seen a little of that adversity. Snyder's so good, nobody else could give it to him. He ran through him. But the same largely goes for Cox. And many people didn't think Cox looked that good. Okay, fine. Let's say you're right. He still ran through two of the best guys in the country, and he did it in one week. Today's program is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage I have ever tried. With so many stresses in life, it's difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and give our bodies the nutrients we need to thrive. Between busy schedules, poor sleep, exercise, stress, or simply not eating enough of the right foods, it can leave us deficient. This is where Athletic Greens can help. Their daily all-in-one superfood powder is your nutritional essential. It is by far the easiest and most delicious nutritional habit that you can add to a healthy routine and you can do it today all while avoiding the need to take multiple pills and complex routines. They simplify the logistics of getting optimal nutrition on a daily basis by giving you one thing with all the best things. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients including a multivitamin, multi-mineral, 
probiotic, green superfood blend, and more that all work together to fill the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid with digestion, and support a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products. Athletic Greens continues to obsessively improve this one holistic formula based on the latest research producing 53 iterations over the last decade and counting. They invest in the most absorbable and natural source of each ingredient and go above and beyond in third-party testing to ensure their customers continue to receive the highest quality and best daily nutritional habit on the planet. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and contains less than one gram of sugar without compromising on taste. And guys, right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system during the winter months. They're offering my audience a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. You basically never have to buy vitamin D again. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health, covering your bases with athletic greens makes investing in your energy, immunity, and gut health each day simple, tasty, and efficient. Simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and join health experts, athletes, and health conscious go-getters around the world who make a daily commitment to their health every day. Again, simply visit athleticgreens.com slash and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Guys, do that today. Many of the population are vitamin D deficient. Adding vitamin D to your daily routine is a great way to support vitamin D production during the colder months when there is less sun exposure. A lot of health experts are noting the importance of vitamin D and more studies are surfacing around its direct impacts on supporting the immune system. The return we have all been waiting for is finally here. One of sports' most notorious icons is stepping into the octagon this Saturday. DraftKings is offering new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with the first deposit. If you haven't tried it yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about football's playoffs where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs this weekend. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Guys, download the DraftKings app right now and use the promo code CHAIL to get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the weekend. Minimum $5 deposit. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Khabib was weighing in. Now, this is Coach Khabib. Coach Khabib was giving his opinion of his cousin's fight. His cousin fought, of course, on the undercard, Kiesa versus Magni in the middle of the week here. So, and Khabib was talking about the fight, and he, it wasn't all moonlight and canoes. And his cousin went into that fight like 13 and 0, came out 14 and 0. Something along these lines. I remember all these guys' records, but I'm I'm really close and maybe even exact. Point being, the cousin's done this a lot, and he's done it very successfully. And Khabib had takeaways, and Khabib was very positive. But with in his critique and analysis, he had things that need to be improved. And he was talking about, uh, he was talking about his cousin's mental peak. Khabib used that that term. Now, that's a very real thing, but I don't know that I've ever heard a coach talk about that before. A mental peak. And I liked it. I liked a few things. I liked uh, the mere fact, and the reason I'm laying out the impressive undefeated record of 13, 14, 12, and 0, is because when you look at his coach, who in this case is Coach Khabib, who is still finding things that need to be improved, that's very good as athletes athletes all the time. It is purely result-based. Whatever training you did, whatever camp you did, whatever you ate, however many hours you slept, I mean, fill in the blanks, check all the boxes. If you win, you then decide is perfect and what I need to do next time. The adverse is also true where a guy will get beat and he'll want to just throw everything out. New training partners, new regimen, new strength and condition. I mean, you fill in the blank, he'll want to change it all. But I like Khabib's approach that even within victory, there's things to find that need refined and need worked on. And I really especially 
like the mental approach because it's very real and I, I feel as though it's a segue into Connor versus Poirier. One thing that Poirier was talking about at the press conference, he said, in fact, and I quote, I have a superpower and the superpower I'm bringing to this fight is I don't care. I used to care. I used to care what everybody thought. Now I don't care anymore. And I, I, I will share with you that may be true for Poirier. I believe as human beings, we're all designed to care what other people think. And perhaps you have an ability to care about who fewer, the, the opinions of fewer people, which would be a strength and also a lot healthier way to live. But Poirier might be telling you straight up, he doesn't care anymore. I, I suggest for you as an athlete, you'll go in and out of that. Even as a human being, not just an athlete, you'll go in and out of that. You'll go through, I, I don't care, F them all phase. And then you'll come back and go, okay, well, you know what? I, I do want the opinion of these groups. And there is a power in being, there is a power in caring less. When you're competing in sport, you don't want to be careless, but you do want to care less than your opponent does. I liked what I was hearing from Khabib. I like what I'm hearing of Poirier, but it does make me think, how many of you really want to see Khabib fight again? And if, you, if you were to give me a real honest list of, man, I really want to see this guy fight, would Khabib be at the top of your list? And if so, how far towards the top? Top three? Khabib didn't leave a whole lot of wonder. He was so dominant, he didn't leave a whole lot of wonder. And I've heard from a lot of new fans, and I'm only as good as the North American fans. I, I, I don't see Russian television, by example. I, I don't see some of these things outside of what gets fed into my living room, put on my handheld device. But I will tell you the North American fans are very disingenuous with their approach to the retirement of Khabib. I have been in the arena live for countless Khabib fights. Only one of them was sold out. That was the one against Connor. So I would challenge the North American fans to tell the truth. How badly do you really want to see Khabib fight? And if you just swear up and down and sideways, you want to see him so bad and Dana had better figure this out. I would just ask you where you were when he was fighting because you weren't there. He wasn't a pay-per-view star. He wasn't a live gate. He has absolutely no records in terms of live gates or pay-per-views. Now, I'm not putting Khabib down. I'm just asking because I would like the psychology. The psychology of the retirement and the absence of Khabib seems to greatly outshadow the career of Khabib. So if you're trying to argue that Dana had better do everything than pull this off because that's your favorite fighter, by golly, against who? And does that matter? Because when I talked about I have been there when Khabib sold out and it was against Conor McGregor. When I ask you who does Khabib need to fight to make you care, does it matter? Do you have an answer? Is the absence and the missing and just the pure brilliance that is the performance of that rare skill set that is Khabib, is that enough for you? Does it need to be Connor? Does it need to be Poirier? Does it need to be the one that got away against Tony? Does it need to be the, the next and freshest face, which is Oliveira? I'm just asking the question. I'm not attempting to answer it for you. I I, I have been surprised at the, the fainted support of Khabib. It, it is highly fainted and it is highly insincere because that demand when he was here didn't exist. But now you're saying that it does and I'm willing to listen to you. I'm there's something about when somebody takes something away from you that makes you want it more. But let's try to answer this together. If, if you are a diehard and I ab must absolutely see Khabib, okay, where is he on the list? Are you telling me you, you're dying to see Khabib more than, than you're looking forward to Adesanya's next fight? By example, and I'm only asking, are you telling me you're looking forward to seeing Khabib more than you are the rematch between Ngano and Stipe? I only ask you by example. And then if you tell me, and I have a feeling, no, I have a feeling the answer came back, no. Khabib is not the number one guy that any of you want to see. You would much rather see the return of George St. Pierre or you're moreover much more excited for uh, the return of Conor McGregor, which is only moments away. So I imagine Khabib is coming in on an honest list, three and four and five, right? If I was to tell you, okay, gonna do it your way. You get your choice, but you only get one of the two. Do you want to see John Jones come back at heavyweight or do you want to see Khabib fight? You see the reality? The reality is you guys never really loved him when he was here and you're pretending that you're missing him now that he may or may not not be gone. I don't think that's true around the world, by the way. But Khabib's last couple of fights have not been within North America either. I think this is a phenomenon that does exist outside of the States. I don't think that I'm wrong. I think you're wrong for disagreeing with me. And I think if you were to be fair, no, Khabib is not on the top guys on your list that you want to see fight and never was. But moreover, who? Who do you want to see him fight? And does it matter? Right? We saw that John Jones couldn't collect dust unless he had the right opponent. That's not a knock on John's skills, and I'm certainly not knocking Khabib's skills. We saw Roy Jones Jr. go through the same thing. We've only seen a couple of fighters throughout history, and for a period of time, it was very clear. Mike Tyson and Oscar De La Hoya. Those were the two fighters that, regardless of opponent, could draw. I think you would have to extend that to Mayweather. I would argue you need to extend that to McGregor. None of us would suggest
suggest that you need to extend that to Nurmagomedov. But you continue to pretend that you're just dying to see it. I'm just wondering why. So there's an interesting press conference. Michael Chandler was up there. Conor McGregor was up there. The topic of Khabib came up and they both gave responses that were polarizingly opposite. Chandler, who wants to be loved by everybody, comes out and says Khabib is the greatest of all time. McGregor, who doesn't give a damn, came out and said Khabib is a coward who ran away from the, uh, the organization. Now, neither one is wrong. I'm just sharing with you. Chandler, I think, can get away with saying that because he never fought him. I don't know that Khabib being the greatest of all time within a division that Chandler sits, leaving behind Khabib, leaving behind a belt that Chandler is pursuing. I don't know that that hurts Chandler. Chandler wasn't here. I think Michael Chandler's well within his rights to tip his cap, say the guy was great, as a way of saying it doesn't bother me that he's gone. As a way, of course, of telling another story. The story he doesn't want to tell. The real story, which is this doesn't affect my legacy because I wasn't here. And I think Chandler's right. I don't think it does affect him. Connor is not wrong to come out and say that Khabib was never crowned champion. There was no ceremony. You guys remember that? great line. And to come out and say that Khabib is running away. Connor is not wrong to do that because it does affect Connor. It very much affects Connor because they had met up. And Connor, who was saying, look, I wasn't living life right. I underestimated him. I didn't train right. Let me let me get in there again. Well, in some things in life, you don't know you don't always get a second shot. Lesson learned. But I think that both Chandler and Connor were saying totally different things. I think for their narrative, which is what's most important to them, not to tell the story of Khabib, to tell their own story. I'm not sure I disagree with how either one of them handle it. Now, Connor talked about something else that was interesting. Connor came out and said, the UFC needs to strip Khabib for dodging hard fights. That does bring you to an interesting question, and this is purely marketing. This is purely marketing and PR. But what is the better move? To let Khabib walk away or to strip him? What is the better story to put out if you're the UFC? To say, we've taken a belt back because this guy doesn't want to do it anymore, and he's done such a good job of cleaning out the division and beating everybody, and there is no parity. As a matter of fact, we admit there's no parody to the point that we know his next match is going to have to be a rematch against someone? Or do you say, you know what? Enough's enough and we're taking it back. What do you do? I don't know. I don't know. I've, I've never seen this spot before. But Connor makes an interesting point by bringing that up. That it's better for the boys if he stripped, yanked that thing. I'll tell you what Vince McMahon would do. Vince McMahon would take his belt back. That's what he would do. <laughs> this happened twice. This happened two different times. Gal's name was Joni versus the fabulous Moolah. Can't remember Joni's name. She was a cup of coffee in like 1985 and the fabulous moolah had the belt women's champion not the biggest draw back then but it still drew and they could still get matches at madison square garden and it was a meaningful title at that time don't forget 1985 this is before the mask is off this is four years before vince mcmahon gets on the stand and testifies under oath that pro wrestling is not a competition now some of you might think that's silly but i'm old enough to remember the time when people argued and thought that it was real so this is the world champion at the time four years almost a half a decade before the real world realizes it's not real. She's going to want to have that belt. Fabulous Moolah, who was the champion, refused to give it up. So Vince let her walk out there in a match where Fabulous Moolah was supposed to go over because she was refusing to go along with Vince and the writing team. Vince told Joni, her opponent, at some point in this match, I'm going to ring the bell. I'm going to take the belt off her. She's not going to know what's happened. It's going to happen on live TV. This is why Pride got away with fake fights, by the way. Pride got away with fake fights because they only brought one athlete in on it. So the athlete that won was able to celebrate and feel great about himself and do interviews without having to be a worker or an actor. He really thought he won. He didn't know the promoter went in the opponent's locker room with a stack full of money, which happened all the time in Pride. Not every fight, not even close. Not even the majority of fights. But Pride was fixed. If you're fixing a, a fight or two per cart, you have a fake organization. So Vince, because it was, he took the belt off the fabulous moolah on live TV. And I can't remember what happened. I can't remember if her shoulders went down and the ref just did like a speed count even after she had kicked out. I can't remember if he disqualified. I can't remember what happened. Because the title doesn't change hands in pro wrestling under disqualification. It must be submission or pinfall. Which submission brings me to point number two. You guys will remember the Montreal Screwjob. Bret Hart was the champion. Refused to give up the belt. Cameras start going. They're live on TV. It's Vince's belt. Vince took his goddamn belt back. Vince did the right thing. He had the referee call for the bell and pretend that at some point in the melee, Bret Hart submitted. 
submitted. Only two ways to take the belt. Pinfall submission. Little hard of a guy's not cooperating with you to get his shoulders down for a three count. You can at any point have the referee say, oh, he just said I quit. Which is exactly what Vince did. He took his belt back. I don't disagree with how this whole thing's being played. I don't disagree with it all. I am Monday morning quarterback in this. That's it. That's all I'm doing. But Khabib does not appear to be playing a game here. Khabib has been very straightforward and his dialogue has never changed. On day one, I'm not coming back. On week nine, I'm not coming back. Connor's on to something. Do you let him walk away or do you take it off of him? Vince McMahon would have taken his belt back. I was asked an interesting question earlier, which is how many fights can Conor McGregor lose before he loses relevance? Now, the reason it's interesting is we've talked about that the other way, right? There's no answer to what it is that's going to put a guy over. What it is that's going to make a main event star that people are going to stop what they're doing to watch. There's not an answer. There's really good guesses. There's a lot of commonalities that we can identify a group of stars, by example. Star sounds a little bright, but you get my point. The top guy. There's some commonalities within the top athletes that they all will have in common and will come back and tell people, okay, th this is what you have to do. But the truth is, it's not two plus two equals four. There is absolutely no recipe of which is relevant to Conor McGregor because he had only had two fights within the organization before he was a main event. His second fight in the organization, he was the main event of the undercard, taking on a guy you might have heard of called Max Holloway. Conor's first time, now I'm, that was his second day, his second time he's headlining an undercard against what went on to be the greatest featherweight of all time. I mean, a really good fight looking back. Prior to that, his first fight ever was an undercard of which he knocked his opponent out and then demanded 50 grand from Dana. Do you guys remember that? He grabs the mic and he goes, that's 50 G's, baby. They gave him 50 grand. So his first ever fight, he gets 50 grand bonus. His second fight, he main events an undercard. After that, he has never been anything but a headliner ever. That's remarkable. There's only one person to beat him in terms of of hello, here I am, boom, I'm a star. That's Brock Lesnar. But I think that you guys would agree with me that Brock, there's a little bit of an asterisk only because of what he came in with. Nobody had ever heard of a Conor McGregor. Everybody knew who Brock Lesnar was. It was totally different. A couple of guys from the job site are showing up to support Conor McGregor. The Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin show up to support Brock Lesnar. I mean, can we, can we agree that if you move Brock out, but, but you kind of have to, you kind of have to move Brock out because that was a household name. That was somebody people knew. It's Conor McGregor, there's never been a faster rising star, right? If, if we're eliminating Brock Lesnar, I bring that history lesson for you because the question I was asked is how long till that star goes out? That also was not two plus two equals four. I was very surprised with some of the, the participation I've had with ESPN over the week. And it didn't matter if you backed up before Max's fight or you backed up before Kiesa's fight or right now just before Connor's fight. Everybody was talking about Connor all week long. I'd be talking about Max and then boom, I get hit with a question about Connor. But one of the hosts who I was on with, Michael Eves, in fact, Michael Eves said to me something I didn't no. He said, you know, Chael, all this hype about McGregor and how great McGregor is, but he's three and two in his last five. Does he have what it takes against Dustin Poirier? I moved on and answered the question, but it stayed with me because I did not realize he was three and two. I did not realize that. And if you want to slip in there, Floyd Mayweather, I guess he's three and three in his last six. But me not knowing is a very positive sign, right? I don't know if any of the rest of you knew that. Do you guys know in his last six, including Floyd, he's three and three, he's batting 500? Did you even know that? And if the answer answer is no, I think you see where that's a real positive for Connor. I would trust if Poirier gets beat by Connor, Poirier is going to be meaningful. You bet your ass he is. But there's not a ton of options. He's too big to cut to 45. He's not quite big enough to go to 70. So he's stuck in purgatory at 55 with a lot of other guys. But do you see where the consequences are going to be drastically different? And what if Poirier loses his next one after that and his next one after that? By example, we're probably not talking about Dustin Poirier a year from now. This is a hypothetical. If he loses his next three, we're probably not talking about Dustin Poirier a year from now. Is there any scenario with which you could close your eyes and imagine that one year from now, regardless of outcome, we aren't talking about Conor McGregor? See where it's not the same? So I don't know the answer. I would not have known the answer any more than you guys did that in Conor's third fight on, he will only be a main event. We knew when Brock Lesnar was coming over, something special was going to happen. The question was, is he any good at this sport? But the same goes on the other side. I don't know what Brock's record
record in his last five. I have the foggiest idea. If I found out Lesnar was fighting, I'm going to be excited for it. I didn't have any idea that Connor is three and three in his in his last six. And frankly, I don't care. I liked his attitude. He's got more of a commodity than just just his punches and kicks. He also brings into the entertainment aspect. There's something special going on. I like the fact that he did it in two different sports. I love the fact that he did it over three different weight classes and is now settling into what I believe to be his, his best weight class. I just think that there's more to the story and I think there's more to the journey. And if fighters can get fans to come along the journey, that's when the fighter has longevity. And the fighter gets his feelings hurt because he lost and the fans turn on him or the fighter gets nice and high on life because he won and the fight and the fan said something good. That's normal. That's natural. I don't begrudge anybody. Other than the fighter for not understanding, it's not the point and never was. The point is to get as many people to come along the journey that's going to go up and it's going to go down. But it's going to go a long time if you do it right. Michael Chiesa, after he beat Magny, called out Colby Covington. And I had a lot of people reach out to me through social media and say, Chael, you got to light him up. You got to light Chiesa up for wasting that opportunity. Now, I would never miss a chance to be my typical dick of a self and treat a fighter like the puppy that missed the paper. But I'm not sure Chiesa did. Colby doesn't have a fight. Don't forget that. That's very relevant to the story. Had Colby versus Masvidal been signed and booked, as we all believe it's being worked on, we're having a different talk. Colby Mosvall is not signed in book. Colby is available. Kiesa just proved himself a main event fighter. He proved that by fighting in a main event. So for Kiesa to call out a fellow welterweight who's a fellow main event fighter, guys, it wasn't that bad of a call out. I mean, that I could see that fight happening very easily. Not a lot of guys call Colby out. Colby's looking for something to do. They got a Northwest tie in. They got set all of that stuff aside. Colby's looking for something to do. I don't predict for you that he, Colby and Michael Kiesa are going to fight. That's not the point. The point is that wasn't a ridiculous call out. And by the way, the main thing you want from a call out, obviously, number one, you want to get the fight, right? But number two is you want people to talk about it. You don't want people to just dismiss you. There was other call-outs on that card. They went nowhere. The Diaz boys were called out. None of, could you even tell me who did it? I mean, they went nowhere. So in many ways, Kies has already succeeded because we're talking about it. I just want to set this straight. That's not a ridiculous call-out. That fight would be a good match, for one. Turns out Kiesa can do a few things that other people, that we didn't know we could do. I mean, Kiesa is really looking good right now. So set those skills aside. Let's just all agree, yeah, that's going to be a hard night. They're both, they're both going to burn some calories. Colby's got nothing to do right now. I do think the Masvidal one's coming. Let's say Masvidal Colby doesn't happen. Who should Colby fight? And you could spend a few minutes and you could get back to me with a better answer, but it's going to sound something along the lines of the winner of, and then you'll make a, a name. Or you'll go, well, how about the loser of? And you'll make a name. And that's not the question I'm asking. I'm asking with who's available right now, who is not signed, who is not booked, if Colby doesn't fight Masvidal, who should Colby fight? And the answer, obviously, is Michael Chiesa. All right, guys, I'm off. I got to get to the weigh-ins. We're going to be covering the pay-per-view heavily on all the platforms, ESPN, ESPN+, Plus, ESPN pay-per-view. Even check out their YouTube channel. Until next week, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Worried about online security? The best way to protect yourself online is by using the privacy app IPVanish. IPVanish is a virtual private network. VPN for short, used on computers, tablets, and phones that secures your connection to the internet and protects your personal information. IPVanish helps protect you whenever you use public Wi-Fi, which is not always secure. When you use IPVanish, your personal data, like your emails, files, even your credit card and banking information, it's all encrypted, helping keep you safe from online thieves. How many times have you Googled something only to have the ad follow you across websites and on your social media channels. Well, that IP address is being tracked. Advertisers and hackers use it to keep tabs on you. With IPVanish, your real IP address is hidden, helping keep your identity safe. And IPVanish has a zero log policy, so they're not 
recording your internet activity. What you do online stays private online. When it comes to internet connections at home and on the go, I know I depend on IPVanish. IPVanish is rated 4.7 out of 5 by real customers on Trustpilot. If you care about your internet privacy and you want to get reliable online data protection, then head over to IPVanish.com slash jail. Plans start at $3.49 a month, which is a great price to secure all of your devices. All you got to do is go to IPVanish.com slash jail to start protecting yourself today. Yeah, we talk hoops on Robert Ory's new podcast, The Big Shot Bob Pod. I would have loved to play with LeBron because if you get down, get open, get to where you're supposed to be, he's going to find you. Feel like he got robbed for MVP. But with Robert Ory, we cover the floor and we talk about everything. And so your youngest so, is a teenager. So he's yeah. not going to high school right now. He's doing everything via Zoom. And he, Dad, can you help me? Nope, I'm running away. <laughs> Run. From the team that brought you the big podcast with Shaq, it's The Big Shot Bob Pod. Coming your way soon on the Podcast One app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, LiveByLive.com, and everywhere you get your favorite podcasts.